the Intersection Education Podcast. Schools are the place where different institutions, services, and societal influences meet. In other words, they're at the intersection of children's lives. In the Intersection Education Podcast, we speak with insiders and outsiders of the education world to try to gain new insight and improve our schools. Welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Haley. Today is part two in a series we're running called What Great Schools Do. Now, in this series, we discussed different values that guide actions that are taken and ideas that ensure success in high-performing schools. And the first question is, what is a great school? Well, for the purposes of this series, we're defining a great school as one where student outcomes in both learning and life are positively impacted, where because of the school and the actions that it takes, students make progress. Now, as we talk about great schools, we need to acknowledge the complexity of this subject. Uh, There's no way that I've captured all the elements that go into making a great school, And, and this is a series that reflects my thinking right now. Those ideas will certainly evolve over time, partially because of the dialogue that comes with this conversation. And please be aware that much of what I say is coming out of my own interpretation of research with a healthy dose of lived experience. When there's meaningful research to share, I'll include it in the show notes. And I think it's important as teachers uh, that we engage with research. So please follow a few of the links and learn more if you're interested in the content. You can also reach us to, out to us uh, if you're interested in continuing this discussion. You can visit our website at www.intersectioneducation.com, and we're even on Twitter at Intersection Ed. Those are probably the two best ways to uh, continue our dialogue. Now, after our first episode in the series that covered teacher professional learning, our next aspect that we're going to focus on today is creating schools where students want to be. It's, also impo- it's almost impossible to have any impact on students if they don't want to come to school. Let's face it, being at school is an essential condition to any positive progress if you believe that schools can have a positive impact on students. And after we get students in the door, the impact of having a school where students actually want to be can be massive. It's when students buy in that you see them engage in academics and form personal relationships with faculty and students and all the different aspects that we're going to get into today. And I'm convinced that one of the aspects of great schools is that they create schools and places where students want to be. Now, the next logical question is to think about the elements of creating this space. What is it that schools do that create places where people want to be, where they create inviting learning environments for students. Now, I've reviewed the guests that we've had on our podcast and looked at some research and come up with six strategies and considerations that I want to discuss today. To create places where students want to be, create schools, one, form and maintain strong relationships with students. Two, they get students engaged in learning. Three, they create a fun atmosphere Four, they ensure the safety of students. Five, they ensure that they have a fair and equitable school. And six, they give students a voice in the creation of that environment. 
Now let's get into this list a little bit deeper and start with our first aspect, which is relationships. Current research would seem to indicate a strong correlation between relationships and many factors that great schools seek. Uh, There are studies that link relationships to improved academic achievement, uh, better health choices, and even if they have relationships, students like school more. And, And I find that oftentimes this is an aspect of teaching that's overlooked. We might talk about it, but rarely do we speak about how to cultivate and nurture great relationships with students. It's almost like some people are a little bit wary or uncomfortable talking about the fact that the relationships they have with students have such a high impact. And I have had some contentious discussions with some others surrounding um, this kind of aspect of this question, and that's, can you learn to form relationships Or is it an innate quality, something you're born with? Um, I've come back and forth. In fact, just the other day, um, this came up again. And I would come down on the side that you absolutely can improve how you build and maintain relationships, but it's not particularly easy. You have to work on it. And there are things that you need to consciously do if it's something that you think that you're not good at or that you want to improve. Now, the book, The Third Path, has become my first resource when talking about this subject or in my thinking around creating relationships and the importance of relationships. In that particular book, they outline eight conditions that contribute to students' well-being and academic engagement. And it also, I think probably most helpfully, lays out strategies that you can use to build those eight conditions in your school. So um, I really highly recommend that you check out the work uh, of The Third Path path. Um, It's in the show notes and and really check that out. The other aspect that is touched upon in research when I was looking at is the importance of relationships between students. So we focused on the relationships that teachers have or that faculty have with students. Um, But another aspect is the relationships that students have, um, or in other words, the friendships that they make. Um, These are really important. Some of the things that they uh, research indicates to gain perspective in adulthood, Um, Students learn to reduce their own ego and self-importance by creating friendships. They obviously increase their social skills, I think. And um, they even learn things like the rules of conversation uh, if they form those meaningful friendships at school. And that seems uh, honestly like a list of things that people uh, rail on when they're speaking negatively about kids these days or the current generation. So so I really think that it is perhaps uh, an answer to uh, what we are talking about when we're talking about this new generation. But uh, clearly, I think that relationships are one of the things that great schools focus on to create schools where students want to be. Let's move into our second aspect, and that's engagement in learning. Um, You know, it's my opinion that the best teachers make the most difficult and boring parts of the curriculum less boring and less difficult. This leads to students being more engaged in the learning, and I believe this to be another really important aspect of what the best schools do. Every student has aspects that they struggle with, uh, but learning falls down when they give up. Schools can create learning environments where the engagement in learning is held, and even in the hard parts, we can ensure that continued growth. And what I'm talking about here is really exclusively what others might refer to as cognitive engagement. I'm talking about the learning here. And research is showing that engagement is a really powerful part of schools, but also really complex. 
uh, you know, from from what I've seen in the literature, uh, we're still increasing our knowledge around the impact of engagement, that academic or cognitive engagement, and the different aspects of uh, of engagement can be can be really linked. Linked, and what it seems is that students, uh, or so, so that studies indicate that engagement can be can be really variable, which is kind of frustrating. What that means is a student can be really engaged in one semester but not in another. Um, Or the students can be involved or really academically engaged in one course and not another. And it's not as simple as saying, hey, I'm good at this or I like this. It can be related to our first aspect, which is relationships. It can be related to uh, who's in the class, the things that are are, are, a way the the material is presented, all these different things. And one of the questions that I ask all my guests when when I'm speaking with them is, is really about these learning environments. What made the best learning experience you had great? And most of the time, They talk about the people, which are the relationships, and their interest in the subject, which is that engagement. And oftentimes those two are linked. This is why I put these as the first two aspects in what makes the schools great and creating schools where students want to be. I really think that if you have those relationships and you have that academic engagement, uh, you're going to get really far. For our third aspect of what great schools do in creating schools where students want to be is the aspect of fun. Now, fun, I put this loosely. Um, some people, as soon as they hear fun, they uh, they recoil. And, and I think that sometimes fun's received a bad reputation in some education circles. Uh, because when I'm thinking about it, I, I think it's really similar or more closely related to engagement. And it goes beyond that to, to what might even call joy. Yes, imagine joy in schools. Um, there are, I think, some who have perhaps focused too much on standardization and, and, and may feel like learning has to be hard to be good. And I would really push back on that. And from what I've seen in some of the literature and research around that, I think that it's swaying in that direction too. Um, some of the best schools infuse play into learning. There's some really interesting research coming out about that. And there are times when kids are having fun and they are learning. In fact, most of the time when they are learning and having fun, uh, I think that those things go hand in hand. Now, here's a quote by a person named Stephen Wolk that I think frames my thinking about this subject. And it is, if the experience of doing school destroys children's spirit to learn, their sense of wonder, their curiosity about the world, and their willingness to care for the human condition, have we succeeded as educators, no matter how well our students do on standardized tests? And I think the answer for anyone here is no. They should love school. They should have fun at school. Learning should be about that, and they should enjoy it. Uh, And I've been really interested in some research coming out of Finland recently that speaks to the importance of play and fun. Um, A recent article by Passi Salberg in the Wall Street Journal and a book that just came out. And it seems to suggest that there may be a correlation to improved academic performance when play, fun, uh, even you know, getting out of the classroom and getting into nature is, is uh, present and is increased. I'm really interested to see where that leads in the coming years. Now, for our fourth aspect of schools 
that create places where students want to be um, is safety. Now, a lot of times the this comes very, very first, and, and I would agree it is absolutely important. Uh, its position in our list does not uh, uh, give an indication of its importance, uh, but I won't go too deep in this because I think that it's really self-evident. If, if students don't feel safe, they don't, they're not going to want to come to school. Um, there's been a massive increase in discussion around bullying in the past few decades, and I think with good reason, because our society has shifted and the nature of bullying has shifted. Uh, now, includes things like cyberbullying, which we didn't have a while ago. And the impact is big because it can now be 24 hours a day, not just when you're in front of that bully, which oftentimes if that happened at school was, you know, six to seven hours. Now that person can follow you around digitally all the time, every second. And, and not feeling safe, um, research indicates, can lead to lower health indicators, lower achievement in school, and these effects can be long-lasting because they're cumulative. Um, it affects your academic performance over the long term, and, and, and then we get to the end, and you haven't made as much progress as you possibly could. Now, there are things we can do to address safety concerns, whether they come from the environment or whether they come from other students, and the best schools put in place, I think, these measures to ensure a safe school which means that kids want to be there. Our fifth aspect of creating schools where students want to be is fairness and equity. And, and I believe that if a student knows or comes to know that a school is organized consciously or unconsciously so that they fail, they will most often stop coming. And that is the perspective of some students. They'll see that the school is not working in their best interest uh, they'll come to believe, and possibly rightly, that the overall system is against them. Uh, this unfortunately still happens in some schools around the world where systems are set up partially to keep people in power. Um, this might be uh, set up around race, it might be religion, it might be cultural background, and we see some stories coming out. Um, it seems predominantly about Indigenous students in Canada and Australia, some students uh, from diverse backgrounds in the United States, um, around these feelings where they really believe that school is not fair, it is not equitable, and is not set up for their success. Now, the above example or these examples are, are pretty extreme, but oftentimes fairness and equity is not followed in maybe some more subtle ways. When a student looks around, who are the people in power? Do they see a diverse group? Do they see people like them in these positions of power and people like them? Is it, are they the, the same color of skin? Are they the same religion or the same gender? Who are the people who are most often disciplined? Is it always a particular person or a particular um, type of person, these are some ways that equity and fairness can be shown to students. Now, a few of our guests have suggested um, using the tool called an equity audit to ensure that we're creating environments that are aware of biases that may exist. And research seems to indicate that most times discrimination in schools is done not consciously, but rather by people who think they're doing the right thing. Uh, it seems that an equity audit might, might be a really useful tool in exposing some of these underlying issues around equity. And I would actually encourage you to do a little bit more research around that. And there's some um, examples in the show notes if you're interested. And fairness is a topic that when researched has, has really a lot of different aspects from what I've seen. Some relate it to school discipline. Others use it as a synonym for equity. Um, and, and others even look at 
fairness. They really focus on funding. And now we've spoken already a little bit about equity. So I want to take a moment and speak about school discipline in terms of fairness and equity. Now, whereas some people might be looking for a list of offenses and consequences, I think that the most powerful tool you can have when you're speaking about discipline in schools is really about culture and the culture that you choose to create. I've been really highly influenced over the past couple of years by positive psychology that focuses on the positive traits we want to see in people. Um, it's loosely based on restitution um, or um, some other words that are used, some other names. And uh, the research that is done using positive psychology in schools out there is pretty robust. And they've developed some programs that schools have used and introduced and they have researched in the show notes, if you're interested in this, look at the uh, G-Long example uh, in Australia about how they used a positive psychology program in schools to really get some interesting outcomes around happiness and some of those soft skills for students. Now, I think that why why does this positive, why should we be looking at this positive psychology um, instead of this, this list of offenses and consequences? Um, I think it focuses our attention on good behavior that we want to see. And it sees that negative behavior because we're going to see negative behavior through this lens of turning it into positive or what is driving this behavior and how can we create environments where people realize that their actions have consequences on the happinesses of others, um, where students see themselves in this relationship with people around them and will actually do things to help others as opposed to um, not or to hinder the happiness of others because they realize that when we all get along, things work better. It's also based on strong relationships, which we've already really talked about. And, um, and, and you know what, I really like that we've, we've, we've looked at this from a research lens. So it's got pretty robust research, as I said. Our last aspect of schools uh, where students want to be is voice. And that's student voice. And that's creating a school where students have a say meaningfully shaping the schools is, I think, really important for student buy-in and engagement within the school. And of course, this will look different depending on the age of the students. Um, You know, secondary students might have more input than elementary students, but they can still have input. Uh, Students can have the opportunity to impact both academic and non-academic parts of school. I think that that's important to see both parts. Um, We focus, it seems in my experience, that we've focused on non-academic schools. We ask kids about, you know, when they want to have a dance or if they want to have a fundraiser. But I think it's also important to be getting that feedback around what what is the learning, what's going on in terms of the learning that students like or don't like. And I think back to some of my experience and some of the best changes that we've made. It's really come from asking students what they thought might be a way to move forward forward in a particular aspect. For instance, in one instance, we, we asked for, uh, the students asked for better water bottle filling stations. All right, not really related to academics, but we were able to make that uh, happen and, and they were really happy. We feel like it had a positive impact on their performance. And then uh, in another instance, um, students asked more for, for interactive, less, uh, interactive lessons in the classroom. Um, they actually advocated for a little bit more inquiry-based. And both of those things, like I said, had a positive impact. And that brings me to my last point about student voice, and it's a bit large scale. 
you know, teachers in a school, we represent to a certain point what has been. It's a little bit of a historical knowledge. And it's not quite the past, but it's close. To have meaningful progress, I believe that some of the best people to ask are the people who will live in the future, and that's our students. Giving them a voice allows them to help create the future the way they want to see it. It allows them to improve the school in ways that they see are important and in ways that are often invisible to staff because we do not have the perspective that they do. Also, giving students voice teaches them the value of engagement in that democratic process, and hopefully they can see that they can have an impact in schools and then transfer that to when they are adults getting engaged in processes that will have them uh, have impact in the society in which we live to make us have healthy progress. And those are the six aspects that I think uh, really make up uh, great schools that create places where students want to be. But I am not alone. You see, in our podcast, we've had the pleasure of speaking with quite a few guests who focused on issues surrounding this particular aspect of great schools. And I wanted to just run through um, some of the previous guests that have spoken about this topic on the show and give just a quick summary. Uh, And now if you like this, go back, listen to their interview that we had with them and and they talk uh, about a particular aspect. The first one is Langston Evans, who spoke really about the AVID program in Madison, Wisconsin, and how it increases access to post-secondary for many students who are deemed at a disadvantage. He talked about many of the aspects we've just discussed to create environments for success and especially focused on the relationships that are established with students and the ways, the strategies that they went about creating that support network to give students access, but also the knowledge they might need to go into post-secondary. Richard Gerver spoke about creating schools that are as fun as Disney World, as he put it, to increase engagement and get students excited about learning. Um, He paired this with giving his students a massive amount of voice by creating uh, a micro society where students occupy many roles as uh, as you would see in in an actual community. This is really interesting to me because he, he pairs that fun, that academic engagement and that student voice aspect really well. Um, encourage you to check that one out. Aaron DeBlenko spoke to us about the passion of students to feed projects focused on innovation and social change. Um, His story about these students creating projects um, that they wanted to focus on, and these projects also helped others in in the developing world by creating sustainable products. Um, That means products that were going to be able to last, that would be able to be fixed, that wouldn't use fossil fuels. I think that really speaks to the core of creating schools where students want to be. I mean, you know, voice and choice and progress and academic engagement and actually have an impact on the world. Big deal there. Dr. Jody Jody Carrington spoke at length about the power of connection with students, um, how adults can help students through their presence through their relationship to their connection. And this really helps them to navigate difficult emotions and situations. Uh, Diane Lander spoke to us about ways that we can get better academic engagement from our students using concept-based approach. Some people might see this as purely academic, but I really look at this, uh, what she was talking about, as that academic engagement. We want to really get 
kids excited about learning. And she showed us, using examples, how we might be able to do that by connecting what their uh, students are learning to the real world. Next, if you want to talk about fun, you got to check out uh, Tal Thompson's class, uh, or Tal Tal, as he uh, is seen in the social media world. Um, some of the videos that he has really are pretty incredible. Uh, he ensures that students are, are engaged, that's, that's for sure, uh, and having fun while learning. And, uh, you know, in those things, you can see students who are singing and dancing. They become the characters in the books they're reading, and they play the role of scientists with costumes and setups and props. It's pretty exciting stuff, even when you're looking at it. So I can't imagine what the students are thinking. We also had the superintendent of the RCMP, Rob Hill, on, and he spoke to us about the safety aspect. Now, when it comes to large-scale security of students and schools, that partnership between the police and schools can really be invaluable. And he touched on the power of relationships that, that, that he sees, or his aspect, or his vision of how relationships can really help that. Um, he has worked in both urban to really rural and remote uh, situations, and he had a really interesting aspect and perspective on safety. Jennifer Gaffrera spoke to us about STEM and STEAM programs in school. Uh, this was a concerted effort by their school to ensure academic engagement through these uh, really innovative programs, I would say. And, and what kind of surprised me when she was speaking wasn't the integration of science and innovative technology, but it was how they came to realize that in order to bring students to communicate their learning effectively in the sciences and in math, they actually needed to add arts programming to the curriculum. This really robust engagement, and it looked, and I think it spoke, speaks to the well-roundedness of, of great schools. George Kuros spoke at length about using innovation to engage students. Um, this relates to that connection to the outside world and voice, but it also uh, relates to authentic production and sharing of work, not just the consumption of media, but are, are you asking kids to, to create something that's going to be shared and going to be meaningful? That academic engagement piece was really, really big and giving students voice. Now, when speaking about equity in schools in relationship to Indigenous students, we've had a couple guests that I think really speak well about this, and that's Ramona Bighead and Dr. Dwayne Donald. They're really uh, an incredible source of knowledge and inspiration. Um, they both asked schools to look at the structures that help Indigenous students and suggested that we look at ways of infusing Indigenous ways of knowing into everyday life of school this was not only for the benefit of Indigenous students, although they did focus on that, but for all students. They talked about creating a better understanding of one another in our society and how that will have long-lasting benefit. They also talked about when you are creating schools, who are the people in power? Do they see, do these Indigenous students see other people like them in positions of power? And that's a good question for schools, I think, around North America and Australia um, to think about. I've already spoke uh, about their book, but Dr. David Tranter, Laurie Carson, and Tom Boland spoke to us about the power of relationships and their book, The Third Path. Um, we have really talked about them a few times, and I, you know, I really just say if you, they're great. 
go read their book. I would highly recommend it. Go check out their uh, website. Um, they have some very good videos that will give you more of a snippet and, and get you deeper to, to really go about that. And remember that is, uh, they speak about the eight hierarchical conditions that lead to great relationships. Uh, they start with safety. They actually order them and uh, it goes all the way down. And I think that this can be really powerful. Our guests, Jesse McLean and Travis McNaughton, both spoke about using student voice in creating schools that reflect the needs of students. They um, they talked about how this also feeds the personalization of learning, which they really focused on, and how this might increase, increase academic engagement and ownership over learning. If you're getting into or thinking about personalization, check check that interview out. Some other strong voices who spoke to us about social justice and equity are Dr. Valen Jordan, Dr. Natalie Kiefer, and Dr. Amy Samuels. Um, each of these people spoke about the need to evaluate the power structures that exist in schools, to be conscious of how these power structures give or take away authority from certain students based on different criteria, and one of the most important being race. If students want to come to school, they need it to be working in their favor regardless of their cultural background. It's got to reflect these students. And um, they talked all about a lot of different ways that schools might be able to think more consciously about that. Our guest Felicia Oaks spoke to us about creating community. Now, this is a tricky proposition, but schools who create environments where students want to come, I think do this masterfully. This idea of creating a community, this idea of connection to the wider community. And um, she spoke about, through lived experience, the different things that she has done and lessons that she has learned in helping schools create that connection. Um, She spoke also about this idea of safety, but also health. And we'll get to those in some um, some further episodes. Now, lastly, in terms of our uh, guests who spoke about this aspect of creating schools where students want to be, Dr. Randy Hetherington spoke about the power of relationships, and he spoke about it from the perspective of a former principal. You know, the creation and maintenance of relationships is key to students coming to and uh, loving their school. He talked about all of the different things that they thought about, the different uh, Yeah, things they did well, but also the problems that they encountered, and so that perhaps other principals might not have to encounter those same problems. So we have had uh, many guests, and we hope that you're enjoying our series, the second one, this is our second one, in uh, What Great Schools Do. You can look forward to some further episodes in upcoming weeks, and um, if you like what you're hearing, connect with us. You can go to our website, intersectioneducation.com. You can follow us and engage with us on Twitter at Intersection Ed. We're on Facebook at the same uh, handle at Intersection Ed. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Does this reflect your thinking? Are there things that we are not, uh, that I am not thinking of? And, And that's one of the big reasons that we are doing this. Also, lastly, please check out the research list and the show notes. I think that there are some excellent articles in there to get your uh, mind thinking about different aspects of this. And we look forward to our next episode or to seeing you and you hearing from us in our next episode. So have a great day.